Hi everyone, Terry Wellbrock, host of the Healing Place podcast here, and just wanted to take a moment before today's wonderful episode to talk about self-care. As many of you know who have been listening to this podcast for a while, over this past year, year and a half, I've been on a physical healing journey, received great news uh, from some lab work that everything I've been utilizing and doing is working and my numbers are back up in the normal ranges on a lot of different levels. Yay. Uh, Now just to get this rash under control. We received disheartening news about why this rash is still here. And so I've had my good cries sitting in my Epsom salt bath and had a little pep talk with myself yesterday and said, Terry, Get to practice what you preach on the show and in my newsletter and the work I do in the world and with all these amazing interviews. Yes, I practice self-care daily, but I really need to step it up during this, this difficult time uh, while we figure out how to resolve the rash. So I just wanted to remind you all, if you are struggling, if you are going through a difficult time or moment, please pause And just ask yourself what it is that you need in order to bring yourself some joy, some peace, some healing, whatever it is, and gift that to yourself. Today's podcast guest is offering three free gifts. If you listen all the way to the end of the episode, uh, visit her website. And one of those of her three gifts is a self-care packet. So make sure that you check that out and, uh, yeah, gift that to yourself. You're worth it. All right. Now for today's episode. Thanks. Welcome everybody to the Healing Place podcast. I'm your host, Terry Welbrock, and my heart's smiling and my face is smiling and I'm so excited to have with me, and I'm going to read this, Genesis Amaris Kemp, who is a visionary life coach, motivational speaker, author, and DEI advocate, and I did not know what that was, and it is diversity, equity, and inclusion. She also hosts the GEMS podcast and has a best-selling book. So welcome. I'm so excited to talk to you. Thank you so much for having me on, Terry. Absolutely. And again, I'm, I'm just, I don't even remember how our paths connected, but I'm, I'm thrilled that I'll be able to be talking on your show coming up in the next few weeks and that you're here to, to talk to us. I I know one of the things we discussed was your grief journey. Uh, You had a lot of loss in a one and a half year time span. Um, And yes, the healing work you've done since then. Yes. So um, within that time span of a year and a half. I My dad was the one that kicked off the lost journey, um, missing dearly. So in November of 2020, I lost my dad due to medical negligence. So, and everything kind of just happened so fast. Like he went into the hospital walking and walking in May of 2020, three days later, we found out that my dad was paralyzed from the waist down. So his entire quality of life changed. And we went from facility to facility. Um, My dad went to rehab. Um, It was just so hard. And I tell people, unless you've been a caregiver for someone and an elderly person, you don't understand what caregivers go through. Then fast forwarding after that, one week after my dad passed, I got a call from this Fortune 
500 company that I was working for. So I was in oil and gas for 12 years, but with this company for seven and a half, one week after my dad passed, I, they told me that I was going to be laid off, but they wanted me to work up, up until February. If I did not choose to work until February, I would forfeit my severance package, my pension, and some of the other perks. So that was the second loss. The third loss came August 29th, 2020. I found out that my grandmother passed. Um, when, whenever the paramedics got there, she was still uh, living and breathing. Her, um, it was just very faint. But here in Texas, all of the hospitals were on standby due to the pandemic. So they left my grandmother lying there on the floor at my aunt's house and she passed in the home because there was no hospital beds available. So it's like my aunt slowly saw her wither away. Then the final loss, the fourth one, was my mom's mom. So my other grandmother, who was 99 years old, mm. and when we got home, from the Caribbean after having a wonderful time there. It was the first time my husband got to meet some of my family down there because they weren't able to come over to the U.S. due to visas when we got married. We found out that she passed away. So it was like four losses back to back. And each loss hurt differently because of the relationship that I had with the three people and then with my job, that hurt because it's like, I've been here for seven and a half years. That's, you know, that's, you know, some time that you've grown to, you know, get acclimated and build those relationships and et cetera. And I'm like, what am I going to do in the middle of a pandemic? All of these things were happening. And I just felt the need to just do something. And that something was to start a podcast because I was like, I got tired of hearing the cliches of. I know how you feel. And I'm like, you really don't because you have both of your parents living. You haven't lost a job or et cetera. So you don't know how I feel. Or some of my spiritual friends would be like, well, the Lord give it and the Lord take it away. Or he's in a better place or she's in a better place. When yes, I know they mean well and that's comforting. But some of those comforting statements could be very triggering based on where the person is mentally in their mind. And especially how close I was to my dad. He was like my best friend. Like, so it's like the wind was knocked out of me. And yeah. I told, yeah. So that was a year and a half of losses. Yes, right. Well, so now the focus of your podcast when you started it, was it strictly about grief? Yeah, it was strictly about me just dealing with the loss and just being real and just transparent into the mic. And then after those solo episodes, then once I was in the right headspace, then I started interviewing people because had I started interviewing people in a wrong headspace, I don't think I would have reached the level of success that I have now. Right, right. I know we were just discussing again before record that uh, our shows have, have reached such wonderful milestones and yours is in the top 3% globally as well out of 2.8 million podcasts, which congratulations. And again, it's just your work so beautiful and I love your conversational styles and the just the diversity of guests that you have on and the conversations. So congrats. 
Thank you, Terry, and congrats to you as well because your uh, your podcast is ranked in the same category too. <laughs> yes, yes. Well, and again, I I love the idea of meeting beautiful souls such as yourself to come on and uh, just share truths and and talk about the healing journey and and what we can do because the more uh, we can put out there because not everything's going to resonate with everyone, right? But if we put a lot of diversity out there, a lot of different ideas and, and healing journeys, then somebody somebody's listening will be like, there's the one. That's the thing I connect to. Absolutely. And I tell people there's no right or wrong way to breathe. There's no right or wrong amount of time of how long the grieving process is going to take. But while you're going through it is remember to connect with yourself, practice self-care, because there's going to be some days where you just don't feel like getting out of bed. You don't feel like talking to somebody. You don't feel like exuberating a large amount of energy because you are grieving, you are mourning, you are hurting. And then also it's okay to say, I'm not okay, but I will get there. And don't be so nasty and snarky with people. Just say, right now is not a good time. I would prefer if we table this conversation, let's um, tackle it. Because if they keep probing, then I tell them, I'm going to pop like a balloon because you are just in my face. You're in my personal space. And I'm just not in the right headspace, but I'm okay. And then the other part I would say is seek out the um, professional that is trained, whether it's a life coach, a psychologist, or somebody who knows what grief journey is, and they're a non-biased individual because they will listen to you effectively and actively. Yes. Where a lot of times, if we depend on friends and family, they're also in the grieving process and they're yes, biased because of where they are on their journey, right? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And I guess journaling too is also another way to reflect because as you get those thoughts out of your head and onto paper, you're no longer allowing your mind to be the battlefield as Joyce Meyer says, because you could see what you wrote down and you could ask yourself, why did I write what I wrote down? How does it make me feel? Where was I? And you could begin to connect the dots. And then as you go through the grief journey and the healing process, you could see your growth on how you came through it, whether it's from a mental aspect, a spiritual aspect, or an emotional aspect, because there's so many different layers that are intertwined in grief. Yes, absolutely. Well, and the fact that we're allowed to keep circling back, right? That we may be angry at one point and then be in disbelief at another, you know, those stages of grief, but it's okay to circle back around again. Absolutely. And I guess whenever you're circling back around, sometimes you circle back around to not just how you feel, but sometimes the places that you have gone with that individual, because those places could be very comforting um, once you get over the triggering point. But whenever you are first going through it, like at least for me, there were certain places that I couldn't have gone that I went with my dad or my grandma's because it would bring up those emotions and it was hard to contain those emotions. Yes, they were natural and they were necessary, 
um, to be feeling that way. But then if I keep living in that vein, then I'm not progressing. Life is still going on, whether you realize it or not. And if you are a wife, if you are a mother, you still have to be there for those people in your family. And you can't let life stop because someone has passed on. They have transitioned to another place. Whether you believe in the afterlife, you believe in heaven, you believe in, you know, the down, the downstairs part, hell, they have gone on to a better place and they're no longer in pain. They're not suffering. So if you keep wallowing the dead and not curating yourself to the living, then are you really existing or are you just in a holding pattern? Right, right. Yes. And what the part of me wants to say that it's okay to be in that holding pattern as long as you don't stay there, right? I mean, it's okay to just have these moments of just feeling like so overwhelmed. And like you said, my, I'm going to pop like a balloon and just have those moments. But when you, but you, you then get yourself, give yourself that moment of, of, I just need to decompress or what I need to journal, whatever it is, catch, you know, your breath, but then get out of that holding pattern. Yes, absolutely. Terry. Right. And Another thing I would say, too, is whenever you are coming into the next phase of grief, because there's various phases of grief, exercise is a great way because exercise releases endorphins. Endorphins make you happy. And if you know um, that line from Legally Blonde where she says she was exercising, happy people just don't kill their husband. (laughs) (laughs) That really helped me exercising. And then also making sure you are mindful of what you're putting into your body. So nutrition, am I eating good foods? Am I binge eating? Because binge eating can be a disorder that spins off out of grief. Because there was one day, y'all, where I ate a whole pack of Oreos. They were so good. And before I noticed, I was like, who ate all the Oreos? And I'm like, there's no one else but you that ate those Oreos. Right. Yeah. I mean, how we find comfort, right. And and then it does become an addiction because that, that sugar or salt or whatever it is that we dive into our brain says, Ooh, that made me feel better for a minute. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So I guess make sure those devices that you're using as coping mechanisms are not addicting mechanisms. Yes. Right. Absolutely. It's my, my dad passed in 09 and uh, he was such, oh my God, he had diabetes. And so he, he died from complications from diabetes. Um, but he was, he would sneak things like apple pies, little hostess apple pies, and he would sneak things all the time. So whenever I'm in a grocery store and I see those types of things, I, I so want to buy one and just be like, eat an apple pie in honor of dad. And I'm like, no, I'm not going to do it, dad. But it just makes me smile thinking of him diving into those things. So, and it does, it can easily become, yeah, an addiction mm-hmm. in that comfort food. So, yeah. Awesome. Well, let's talk about for a second. um, I want to know about your book and what that was about. Oh, yes. So my book is titled, I actually have it near me, Chocolate Drop in Corporate America, From the Pit to the Palace. And first, I'm going to break down the cover of the book. 
So you see there's a world in the background to let people know that these issues don't just happen in America, but they happen worldwide. There's various uh, nationalities on the cover of the book to show that diversity, but also show the inclusivity because they're from different professions. You see some construction workers, business women, um, you see people in healthcare and et cetera. Why is that important? Because it takes all of us coming together to make this world a better place. And then um, I wanted a funny title, but I wanted something that will make people double back. So that's why I put chocolate drop and people are like, why chocolate drop? And I said, when you think about chocolate, it comes in all variations. And who has ever had just one piece of chocolate? No, you have multiple pieces of chocolate. Or if you're like me, sometimes you'll eat the whole bar. And I said, there's white chocolate, there's dark chocolate, milk chocolate, and it's irresistible. And then I put in corporate America because I spent 15 years, y'all, in corporate America. And then the bottom, um, the subtitle is from the pit to the palace, meaning that we have to go through those dark seasons in our life in order to appreciate the light at the end of the tunnel. And what Terry sees as success may be different than what I see as success. And the success is equivalent to your palace. And that's okay that we all have different successes because it's tied to what we want and what we need. And then I'm just going to read the back of the book, um, Terry, and I open the back with two questions. So think about these questions in your personal and professional life. So it says, what challenges in the workplace have you encountered that left you feeling as if you were mistreated? Have others who were unqualified seemingly passed you by in the ranks? Those are the first two questions. And then it says, in our daily lives, we are all faced with various trials, whether in the workforce or at home. However, when treated unfairly, it takes courage to stand and fight for what's right, no matter your race, nationality, ethnicity, or background, you can rise to be the game changer. When you use the power of your voice, you shake the atmosphere and cause a domino effect because others will choose to either follow suit or stand in solidarity. On the pages of Chocolate Drop in Corporate America, Genesis, that's me y'all, has chosen to speak up for not only minorities, but also anyone who has been slighted on the job in any way. From her personal testimony, you will learn how speaking up brought awareness so that long lasting change could be made. We do not win by remaining silent, overlooking injustice, or continuing to practice poor judgment. We win by standing together, engaging in those difficult conversations, which now I say courageous conversations and helping one another. Let's work together to create change for future generations to come. Amen. And I'm cheering and I'm getting some message from God today because I did an interview this morning for the show and it was about using our voice. And now we're just talking, talking to you and it's about using our voice. So I don't know. Angels are tapping me on the shoulder and being like, use that voice. <laughs> yeah. yeah. 
Wow, that's amazing and wonderful. And I couldn't agree more. And I just have to share a personal story really quick, only because I so resonated with what you were saying in the 90s, which, you know, is a long time ago now, you know, you think about it, but I was working in corporate America. And uh, I was managing an agency, but it was for a big it was a big corporation and we were just a very small little subdivision in, in the company. And uh, my manager left. And so I was eligible to be promoted to the manager. Well, I was um, a couple of credits short. I was going to school at night, finishing my, my degree and working 40 hours a week during the day. And so I was a few credits shy of graduating and getting my degree. So they tried to tell me, well, you don't have your degree yet, so we can't pay you what we would pay the normal manager amount. And so I just begged and pleaded and was like, you know, I have like a 3.8 GPA. You know, I'm working hard. You know, I'm going to graduate. I'm this close. Uh, I'll graduate, you know, next semester, next quarter. And um they, I, I truly had to beg, beg, beg. And they finally were like, all right, we're going to give you at the time, like $32,000 a year, which I was just like, oh my gosh, that's amazing. It's, it's just incredible. I was so excited. Well, I soon after ended up leaving the company um, after I graduated and just for various reasons. And uh, my coworker, they passed paychecks around back then. It was, you know, before you actually got an actual physical paycheck. <laughs> And they had laid an envelope on her desk and without looking, she ripped it open it, to look at it. And she was like, did I get a humongous raise? Like what happened? Well, she didn't look at the name before she ripped it open. And it was the man that they brought in to replace me as manager. And they were paying him three times the amount that they were paying me. And I just remember being so taken aback. I, at the time, I should have been like, make a photocopy of it and give it to me. <laughs> but, you know, I just didn't think of it. I mean, again, it was it was a different time. But how it how it happens, you know, and um, I didn't have I didn't feel like I had a voice. That was just the way it was. Wow. That story resonated with me from you sharing that from the 90s to what I went through. Um, before I got laid off. So I actually went to school at night too, um, to pursue my undergrad degree, changed my entire degree um, from psychology to supply chain and logistics in technology. And I ended up with two minors. So one in purchasing and one in OLS, which is organizational leadership and supervision. Because my boss at the time said, what are you planning on doing with a psychology degree working for this oil and gas company? Then um, after I got my degree, I wanted a professional role because I started with them as an administrative assistant, even though I already left a smaller company where I left there being an HSC manager. So I started over at the very bottom. And then um, just fast forwarding because I don't want to be long winded. In 2020, after the whole George Floyd incident, the whole Black Lives Matter movement, we had a global conference a little bit before that um, incident. And I saw on the screen, they showed the different CLs, which are classification classification levels of my colleagues that were on my team. And they were starting at a 22 and higher. And I was like, wait, 
this doesn't make any sense. So I quickly took a screenshot of it because at the time I was in the role of a trade regulations and compliance coordinator, but I was a CL 15. So that is a big gap between a 15 to a 22. And I was traveling for the company. I was going out meeting clients. There was a limo that would come to my house and pick me up, take me to the airport. I had all the perks and bells and whistles. So everything looked good, but on paper, it was not. And it wasn't until I spoke up in the vice president's meeting that one week after speaking up, I got a phone call that said they were going to give me a $20,000 salary increase and they were bumping my CL from a 15 to a 22. And my supervisor told me that, but her and I were already on the rocks because I was asking her, what are you going to do about my salary? Here I am in this MPT role, managerial, professional, and technical, but you're still having me paid as an admin, ranked as an admin, but I'm doing all of this work. And I literally feel like after speaking up, it was just such a coincidence that a few months later, I get laid off from this particular oil and gas company. And their excuse was, you're not an engineer. But I was like, supply chain and logistics in tech is the same as an industrial engineer, depending on what college you went to. My college was tier one. I went to the University of Houston. I graduated with honors and I've been in the work field for X amount of time. So if that happened in the 90s to you, but it happened in 2020 to me, can we say that we're progressing? Right. Or is there something that businesses need to do a better job at? Oh, for sure. The second part. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. And sadly, and I'm so sorry that happened to you, but good for you for having a voice and good for you for speaking up and at least implementing the change that you were worthy of and deserved. Yeah. And some people are, were afraid because they had similar situations and they say, oh, I don't want to talk about it because I'm afraid to lose my job. But how much longer are you going to work for a company, be underpaid and be unhappy? Because we spend the majority of our time at work. Yes, I feel like they retaliated against me. And would there have been a case with the EEOC? Maybe. But whenever you separate from these big conglomerate companies, they make you sign a lot of separation documents because they don't want to be liable or sued, y'all. Right. Exactly. Well, and again, I what popped into my head was, you know, people listening will be like, well, see, this is why I don't speak up because the retaliation. But look at where you've ended up. Look at how it steered you to the beautiful work you're doing. I mean, having a best-selling book and, and so many things that that have blossomed out of it that sometimes, um, I mean, you, but you walked away with knowing that you had a voice and knowing that you did the right thing for yourself. Absolutely. And I tell people, how much is silence costing you? Yeah. And if you, if you don't have an answer for that, or if that answer scares you, it's because you're not being true to yourself. You're not honoring who you are. And I feel like you need to understand your self-worth and what you bring to the table because the company that you're at is not the only company out there and your dreams and your goals do matter. So how much are they paying you to sleep on your dreams? This is the next question. Right. 
Yeah. Wow. Well, we could sit and talk for another, you know, three hours on all of this because that's powerful stuff. Wow. Well, is there anything else that you wanted to tap upon that, that we haven't had a chance to discuss yet? Yeah, I just want to definitely encourage um, your community, Terry, is to give yourself grace when you're going through the healing process, when you're going through life, which is a hell of a ride. Sometimes it can be seen as a roller coaster. Make sure that you learn and grow because just like times and seasons change, so do we as individuals. We're always going to be evolving. So always become um, open to learning. And just really be susceptible with what you're going through, because it doesn't just happen to you, but it happens for you, whether it's for that personal growth or that professional growth, that mental, that emotional, physical or spiritual growth. It's a part of who we are and we're always going to be growing. So really remember to give yourself grace and mercy. And just like you extend grace and mercy to other people, extend it to yourself. Practice self-care and awareness. I can't stress that enough. And once you know who you are, you're not going to fall victim to what the world wants you to be. Oh, my gosh. I love your wisdom. There's so much depth and wisdom to you. Oh, my gosh. I mean, that's very poetic, poetically profound. And um, it's so very true, though, that once you do find, because now, me of now, if you put me back in there and in, in, back in the 90s in that position, oh, no, it would have been a whole different outcome. <laughs> yeah. Wonderful. Well, it's just been such a joy to have you here. Oh, how do people contact you? Where do they connect with you? Yes. So you can um, connect with me on social media. For those of you on Instagram or Facebook, it's at Genesis. That's G-E-N-E-S-I-S Amaris, A-M-A-R-I-S, last name Kemp, K-E-M-P. Also, all of my information is on my website, which is genesisamariskemp.net. And I'm going to give three freebies. So the first one is the first chapter of my book for free. So just click on the book tab and you'll find that there. And then the second two products are health and wellness products. The first one is a health assessment, because what good is having wealth if you don't have the help to you know, sustain the wealth and really enjoy the fruits of your labor. And the second one is the Kiani Sunrise, which is a pack that you could just rip open and it has all the super fruit fruits and super nutrients that you need to give your body that energy without any, you know, GMOs or anything that is going to take you up like a skyrocket, but have you crash it down. So definitely tap into those I'm also in the, like I said, I'm in big into the health and wellness space, especially after losing my father. That was something that I really wanted to make sure of, because if we get back to what they did in the primitive days, then we're really going to have that longevity. You don't have to be a walking zombie, pill popping pharmaceutical drugs. Yes, you see me shaking my head in solidarity with that, because I've been on a physical healing journey this last year. And I just had said, I'm, I'm just not the, I, the Western medicine. That's just not my thing. I, I don't want to mask the symptoms with a pill. I need to find out the root cause. And 
fuel my body with whole foods and organic foods and um, yes, take care of me holistically. Um, and I certainly lean more towards, like you said, those, those things that have been around for thousands of years that are proven tried and true. So, yeah. I love it. I know. All right. Well, thank you again for being here and, uh, the beautiful work you do in the world and shining a light of hope. Thank you, Terry. All right. Well, everyone, thanks for joining us today on the Healing Place podcast. And remember, until next time, be gentle with yourself. Thanks. Bye-bye. Hey, everybody. Terry Welbrock again. Just wanted to thank you for listening to the episode today and remind you to visit my website as well as the academy.terrywellbrock.com for the courses. But if you go to my website, terrywellbrock.com, you can sign up for my monthly Hope for Healing newsletter, which is also jam-packed with information and strategies and blog pieces and guest blog pieces and links to shows um, and just a great space for, uh, again, healing and hope. Thanks for, again, being here and being a part of this healing space. I very much appreciate you. All right. Bye-bye.